Good afternoon from Maui, Hawaii, and uh, welcome to this week's edition of the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. My name is Michael Benner. Glad to be with you again today. This is uh, one of several events that I do every week that I look forward to. One, of course, is uh, the uh, program I do. I was going to call it a podcast, but it's more than that. It's really a premium audio program that I do with my partner of 30-plus years, Steve Snyder. Uh, those usually uh, go out on Wednesdays, and this is live every Sunday. There's a few other things I look forward to doing every every week or so. and uh, But this ranks high among them. I just love the opportunity to speak with you folks, to hear from you, and... Um, to, to to move from personal into spiritual development. I guess that's probably the best way to say it. I could call this uh, mystery school a, a product or a, a function of uh, my interest in esoteric philosophy, but it's so off-putting, a term like that, esoteric philosophy. Uh, what the heck is that? Well, that's the stuff you and I are interested in. <laughs> but it's probably easier uh, and less off-putting to simply call it spiritual development. And that's what I've always been interested in. I realized long ago when I was in college and I had an interest in journalism, which I did for many years, broadcast journalism, that I was looking for truth. I was frustrated. It was the 60s, and I was a baby boomer, and I just wanted some truth. You know that John Lennon song where he screams out, Give me some truth! I just want some truth! You know? Well, he spoke to me, and I think a lot of us, that have this ache. We're tired of being lied to, tired of being deceived. There's just so much BS in the world. Well, I found out after 20 years of journalism that there was not a whole lot of truth in journalism. So, very slowly I began to move toward philosophy in my search for truth. And if anybody ever asks you, what is philosophy? What is that stuff? Besides a bunch of different people with completely divergent views of reality, what could it possibly be? Well, Aristotle defined it probably best, is simply the search for truth, and that's what we do here on Sunday. Today, what we're going to talk about is depression. Uh, this has come up a couple of times in past events, and uh, I, <clears throat> I've had a couple of uh, inquiries since from people saying, hey, when are you going to do that show you promised about depression? And uh, so I decided this was as good a time as any. And uh, it's a very, very important topic because everybody suffers from depression at times, sometimes even acute depression that is severe. Uh, and then there is chronic depression, which seems to never end. And I'll address all of that, even the genetic proclivity or predisposition. What is depression? Where does it come from? And finally... And maybe most importantly, what the heck can we do about it? How can we uh, rise above it? How do I cope with it? Or even better than coping, 
uh, transcend it, beat it, and rise above it. Depression, dealing with depression, that's our topic for the day today. Like most weeks, I will do some instruction, uh, some teaching at the top of the class, then we'll uh, go to the uh, comments that I just talked about. So again, uh, I can't open up the telephones because it gets too noisy, uh, too many people online. I'm going to figure out a way to do that at some point, but callers need to be muted out for obvious reasons. And then uh, those of you who are listening on the web, which is almost everybody, about 80% of people listen on the web, you can submit, as I said, a comment or a question on the bottom of the page in front of you, uh, provided you're listening live now on November 16, 2008. Uh, more people will hear this as a replay, it turns out, than listen live. But part of the fun of listening live is knowing there's a group mind here and that we're all listening to the same thing at the same time. I feel it, you know. I don't. I do not feel like I'm sitting here alone in a room talking into a tape recorder. I, <laughs> I know the difference. I do that too. Uh, I can feel the group mind. And when we go to the questions and see people um, submitting their comments and questions from all over the world, um, that's just super cool. As far as I'm concerned, very very cool. And I'm looking forward to that part of the. Sh uh, of the uh, of the class, I almost said show. It's a little of both, huh? And uh, then we'll do our guided imagery exercise. And uh, rarely do we go shorter than 60 minutes. Never do we go longer than 90 minutes. So that's what we're in for. If you got to run in the middle of one of these, remember the replay is always archived on my website at theagelesswisdom.com. Remember the T H E, theagelesswisdom. Com. When you get there, click on home page to go inside, and then you'll see a navigation link that says web teleconferences, and they're all there. By the way, if you don't get your newsletter one week, you can go to that same site, and usually a day or two before each of these Sunday classes, there will be a link to the upcoming class as well, and you can, um, you can get in that way. Okay, so if you miss the newsletter or lose the newsletter, the upcoming class by a day or two before, and all of the archives are on my website. You can send your friends there, theagelesswisdom.com. Another cool thing is our Send One to a Friend feature, where if you like a particular webinar that we do, these mystery school classes, and you think uh, of a friend, that would really find valuable, really appreciate, in your opinion, a given class or two, you can send them a link, you see, just by going to that same place, The Ageless Wisdom. Click on the home page to go inside, and then web teleconferences. You'll see, send one to a friend right there, too. And that's a link so they can listen without having to attach a big mp3 file to an email which frankly they're they're just too big uh, to attach to emails at least at this length okay the other thing that i'm real excited to tell you about is after months of promising we have finally launched can we all do the big sigh of relief together uh 
God, he's been talking about that forever. Uh, we finally launched the upgrade to focusedpassion.com. Now, this is a very simple little website, sort of like a jukebox, but uh, the code behind it, what happens behind the scenes when you push buttons, is remarkable. And I want to, first of all, thank my webmaster, uh, Kurt Wyman, a personal friend of mine for 25 years, uh, for all, and his wife for that matter, and uh, his other employees and staff for all the work they've put into this thing, especially in the last six or eight months. It's, it's again, you look at the site, it looks so simple and straightforward, and yet they've invented something that doesn't exist anywhere else on the Internet. And, uh, again, there's too many features, really cool little features to explain now, other than to say that the send one to a friend feature is on there as well. So I'd love for you to check it out at your convenience later today or whenever you get a chance. Just go to focusedpassion.com. If you're already a subscriber to the premium audio program that Steve and I do together out of focusedpassion.com, you'll get an email from us pretty soon about how to switch over. But you'll continue to get your webcasts. You'll continue to get the programs, not webcasts, the podcasts or the audio programs that we're putting out. If you're already a subscriber, you don't really need to do anything. But we want to eventually get you up to speed on the new system for the automated billing and so that you can have a user admin section, a user administration section where you can uh, control your whole own account without having to uh, send an email or leave a phone message or anything. Um, otherwise, the programs continue to go out every Wednesday. If you're not yet a contributor to um, focuspassion.com and the program we do every week, Finding Yourself in Paradise, uh, here's a great opportunity to do it. Again, focusedpassion.com, and it's all real self-explanatory. It's real clear what we're doing, and there's plenty of little samples and excerpts or previews, as we call them, for you to listen to. Uh, so check it out, and then send your friends there, too. Uh, more on that in the future. We're just so excited. just went up a couple of days ago. Again, our uh, our topic for the day today is dealing with depression, so let's jump into that before we all get too depressed. Do we need a reason to be depressed is a good place to begin. Nobody's asked the question, but I did a program a few months ago here, a program, a show, a class, a webinar, a teleconference, called Happiness for No Reason. And I got a lot of nice feedback um, from people who said, well, you know, that never really occurred to me that I could be happy for no reason. I, I guess I just assumed, without really thinking about it, that happiness is something that happens to you as a response or a reaction. There has to be a reason that we're happy. The idea of being spontaneously joyful, well, that falls away somewhere around five or six years old. I think it's called school, but it's uh, too complex to go into now. Well, just as we can rediscover the joy of childhood and 
spontaneous happiness for no reason. The flip side of the coin is we can be depressed for no reason at all. And one of the things that compounds depression is trying to figure out the reason. You say, why am I depressed? And the first thing we do is uh, sort of like the dog ate my homework. We blame somebody around us for the way we feel. Psychologists call this projection, or in some cases, transference. And um, it's pretty common. It's the idea that my feelings are done to me, that I am a victim or an effect, uh, a target, or the end result of life coming at me. And if I'm depressed, then somebody or something made me depressed. Either somebody said something or they should have said something and didn't. Maybe it was something somebody did not say that made you depressed, you know. Uh, or something someone did or failed to do that makes us depressed. But I think a really important place to begin, if we're going to deal with our depression and learn to beat this thing, whether it's acute or chronic or uh, however you feel about this feeling or condition called depression, if we're going to get a handle on this, then the first thing we have to do is let go of the helplessness and the victimization. <clears throat> Hold on, I'll have a little sip of tea here. Ah, really good. Tea time. It's tea time in Maui. We've got to give that up. Now, it's very likely that 98 or 99% of the uh, people listening to me now, that you and the others who are listening, um, are familiar with the concept of <clears throat> personal responsibility for your emotional feelings. It's um, a very important first step in personal development <clears throat> to give up victimization and helplessness and, and to take some ownership for your life. It's not a burden to be responsible for your life. It's actually a freedom. It's not going from blaming other people for the way you feel to blaming yourself it's casting off the yoke altogether of helplessness and victimization and saying these feelings are being evoked from me by circumstances and events whether it's my anger or my frustration my irritation my contempt uh, my loneliness uh, it's all your fault and maybe your fault, too. Maybe a bunch of you are all making me feel this way. Or maybe I can't blame it on an individual. Well, then I'll just blame it on a circumstance or maybe a particular event. Again, something that happened or something that was supposed to happen and didn't happen. And I'm just so disappointed and depressed. Okay. Define some terms. Acute depression is big depression, but it doesn't last more than three days. Bouts of depression that last for minutes, literally minutes or a day, or up to three days, can be minor or acute. All right. A little bit of depression 
or a lot of depression. Chronic depression, on the other hand, as most of you know, I'm sure, anything that's described as chronic is long-lasting and can be severe or could just be mild depression. But the thing is, mild depression that lasts for a long time may not be acute. It may be chronic, but it's still painful. Depression really hurts. It just sucks. I mean, we all know it. It just sucks the life right out of you. And uh, comes out of other problems and leads to other problems, some of which will attempt to delineate for you here today. And again, I got some, what I see is practical advice to help you deal with this. Um, and I don't mean Jack Daniels or, uh, you know, um, the uh, serotonin reuptake inhibitors that have become so popular, the Paxil and the Prozac and the Wellbutrin. Uh, I've got a very natural approach to healing depression that I'm going to share with you today. But it's more than a single thing that you do. It's really understanding who you are and uh, what your feelings represent. So we have to begin with the idea of finding the freedom in accepting responsibility. Don't take it on as self-blame or a burden. It's a freedom to choose how you look at it and what you do with the situations that you find yourself in. So, note takers, this is a good place to begin. Write this down, whether your depression is, is chronic or acute, uh, mild or severe, uh, rare or common. The idea of taking ownership of your emotions. This is my depression. Okay? It may sound like bad advice. Like, do I really want to take ownership of a disease process, a mental illness, a personality disorder. Uh, do I, if, I, if I own it, Michael, then don't I make it mine? Well, in this case, you're going to own it so that you can stop carrying it around. You're going to take ownership so that you can understand it and put it down, whatever that negative feeling might be. Now, having said that, let's go farther or further into the further, wouldn't it? You see that journalism background? hard to shake. <laughs> Let's go further into the idea that depression is, in many ways, a very, very unique emotion or feeling. Depression, it can be argued in many cases, is the result of not feeling your feelings. How could this be? <clears throat> Stress and anxiety creates a kind of a numbness. It puts us into a kind of a shock where the body doesn't know exactly what's going on. I say the body. It could be the subconscious mind or the brain, depending on the model you use. The brain, the subconscious, the body doesn't really understand what's going on here. We have feelings of being out of control, of being overstimulated, and just full of stress and anxiety, which we carry in the body as muscular tension. It creates a numbness or an insensitivity. First, the positive feelings. I, I can't feel my joy. I can't feel my happiness. I need somebody to make me happy. 
I need a mood-altering drug. I need to be elevated. I need something. I need somebody to tell me they love me and treat me better than I'm getting treated. I need a solution from somebody else. Well, no, you don't. We've already discussed that, and I'm about to tell you what to do. But my second point here is, in spite of the numbness that begins with the positive feeling and then even begins to include negative feelings, you're not even, as you become more stressed and more depressed, even that aware of the subtler negative feelings. You, you're worried. You may worry, but it's not really very clear what you're worried about. Everything begins to get sort of vague and, and blended together. And we start feeling really lost, like we have no rudder, we have no way of orienting ourselves or directing ourselves. And yet, in spite of the numbness, the emotional insensitivity that results from stress and depression, there is an ache that remains, and that's depression. Depression is the feeling that remains when you don't feel any other emotional feeling. Now, that's pretty depressing, isn't it? So could I end depression, Michael, if I learn to feel my other feelings? Uh-huh. Even if they hurt? Uh-huh. So the way out of depression is to find my joy and my happiness by moving through the hurt and the fears and the anxieties that I have not been willing to face? Uh-huh. Or maybe not able to face? Yeah, because you're not skilled. You're not skilled. You're not a psychologist. You're not a hypnotherapist. You're not a meditation teacher. You spent your whole life doing whatever it is that you do in school or at work trying to earn enough money to keep your head above water, trying to please other people so they don't turn on you, trying to earn a sense of worthiness when it comes to feeling good about your life. Depression just may be, this is my take, <clears throat> this is my take on it. Depression just may be, as I've as I've said, but I'm going to repeat it. The feeling that remains when we become numb as a result of, that is, not feeling any of our feelings, happiness or sadness, as a result, particularly, of not facing the other hurt. I, I put a similar quotation by a woman named Penelope Sweet into this week's newsletter which, as you know, is expanding now from the Ageless Wisdom newsletter to the Focus Passion newsletter. You're still going to get it. It might look different. We're looking for a company, by the way, to do the newsletter for us and help us with uh, making sure they get delivered to everybody who requests it and not to anybody who is unsubscribed. And It's a big deal to do bulk email, it turns out. But... Um, and again, you don't need it. I've just told you how to find the uh, program every week on my website. But um, the point is we want it to uh, be a way that you can invite your other friends and, and associates to the event and 
get it posted on Dig and social networking blogs, and there's a whole lot to the viral nature of Internet marketing. But my point was simply that you'll continue the Focus Passion newsletter that you receive now to get links to this event, the Sunday Mystery School webinar, and uh, other cool things that we do as well. I just wanted to mention that. So the solution to depression, then, the antidote, has to be, in many cases, facing the ungrieved, unresolved, still not understood emotional heartache and pain that we face in our life. Think of depression as the accumulation of of loss that you never really grieved fully. That sadness combined with just anxieties and fear that you never faced fully. And it all adds up to this vague feeling of melancholia. The blue, actually melancholy is not too bad. That's why I say the vague depression is the melancholy. There's a kind of a sweetness. It's bittersweet. But, you know, often it builds. If, if all depression were just melancholia, that'd be one thing. But it, it builds from there to a, a malaise, a kind of a sadness, and uh, the blues. And then it becomes, in many cases, debilitating depression, where you can't even get out of bed. Your body weighs a thousand pounds and you have no energy it's hard to separate from other situations like chronic fatigue and Epstein-Barr and people say yeah that makes me depressed well it could be depression is causing a weakness in the immune system that allows this apparent virus to get the upper hand we're not sure what the cause and effect really is but the relationship of fatigue to depression is certainly well documented, if not all that well understood. And uh, it's this acute and severe uh, depression that is most debilitating, in, in which I, you know, I, I can't promise anything to anybody here with these webinars, except that I know a lot of people that have come to see me privately, uh, even over the telephone in private coaching that I still do, who've had incredible relief from both acute and chronic depression. And it's helped me in my own life. Some of the tips and tools that I'm going to share with you today in this class are going to help you. Now, whenever I talk about something like depression and medication, I find it in my interest, and probably yours, to, <laughs> to remind you that I am not telling you to stop taking your medication. If some doctor has put you on one of these, um, they used to call them tranquilizers, and then there were mood-altering drugs, and then there were antidepressants. I'm not sure what your doctor is calling them now. <clears throat> but there's hundreds of them now. Pick up a PDF sometime, physician's desk reference, and you'll be stunned to see how many variations uh, we have. And some people are taking combinations of two or three or more mood-altering drugs, some of them more, much more powerful than others, moving all the way into the antipsychotic drugs and the hypnotics and such. 
Um, I can't, please, don't say Michael Benner told me to stop doing these meds because some of these drugs, especially when you start combining them, are very, very addictive. And you can't just stop. You're not supposed to just stop. You have to talk to your doctor about weaning yourself off of these drugs. Cut the dose. Get a regimen from whatever doctor prescribed these to you that allows you to wean yourself off the medication. Okay? Here's the deal. You can't, I mean, you can do these meds short-term, I suppose, but you're just delaying the inevitable. How are you going to understand a feeling that you can't feel? If you mask the symptom, you're never going to find the cause. So if you do it to cope, well, that's one thing. That's up to you. I'm not judging you for that. If that's what it takes for you to get through the day, to get the kids to school, to even get out of bed, or to go to work, or to buy the groceries, or cook some decent food for yourself. Okay, all right, but let's get you off those as soon as possible by facing the core problem, which is, I've already stated, a collection in most cases, an aggregation of ungrieved loss and confusion, I'll throw that in there. That's a good word. Just general, nonspecific confusion. And anxiety and stress, being overstimulated and feeling out of control. Right? Now, that's most of us. What we have to do is not eliminate that or even mitigate that so much as develop better ways to perceive it and respond to it. Like everything else in your life. Again, note takers, write this down. I have little or no control over my situations. I have little or no control over how people treat me and how they behave in general. My control, your control, is in how you look at what's done to you and what you choose to do with what's done to you. And that's a drum I'll continue to beat. That's one of my main themes. The control we're looking for is in perception and response not in managing other people or events and circumstances that really are beyond your control. You might be able to influence a little bit, but it's like the sailor says, I cannot control the wind, but I can trim my sails. I've got to find that, I've got to find that poem I came across recently. It's got to be on my computer. I'm sure I saved it. It was just a few weeks ago. I think it was Elizabeth Barrett Browning who wrote this poem about um, one ship sails east and one sails west, both upon the same wind, and how it is not the gale but the set of the sail that determines our direction. I mean, do you get that? <laughs> the same wind can take ships in opposite directions. It's not the gale, the set of the sail. Or, or how about this axiom, the kite rises against the wind. See, a little bit of adversity in our lives lifts us if only we're willing to face it. And you've begun to face it by coming here today to listen to this program, to learn practical, portable tools and techniques that you can begin to use on this very day. Before this class is over, we'll begin to practice facing the fear. 
looking directly into the heart of depression, going as deep into the darkness and the sadness as you can to find, voila, the roots, what it's really all about. Often it's very, very old stuff that is accumulated, which once faced you'll recognize because you're older and smarter, more mature and more experienced now. And and you look back at that event or circumstance, that relationship from five years ago or 20 years ago or in your childhood or whatever, and you go, well, if you do it in paradise thinking, if you do it in the alpha brainwave level anyway, well, the mind is quiet and your current emotional nature is calm and peaceful, well, often you... You just get the sense of, oh, my God, well, no wonder I felt that way. When my father said that I was stupid and my three best friends were standing there, I was only seven years old. I'll remember that as long as I live. Why have I not thought of that? As being a contributor to my current depression. Well, probably because there's so many similar events in our lives. Or we just didn't have the tools or the skills to face our hurt. And that builds up as anxiety. And when we don't process that and and add to the negative emotions that we haven't faced and dealt with in our lives, the loss and the grief, that few people have the skills to deal with. So we repress that to every death of someone that you loved. Could be your kitties and your puppies as well, as people. Um, adds to it. So we got to face it. I'm sorry, the only way out is through. And it's really good news. It really is. Now, I, I do want to acknowledge something. Uh, a, uh, let's see, a kind of depression, a type of depression that is genetically predisposed. It's not very many of us, and so to jump to the idea that you've inherited your depression from your family because mom was depressed and grandma was depressed and Uncle Harry was depressed and there were three suicides in your family or whatever, I wouldn't jump to that. I do have to acknowledge that there is some small percentage of depression, especially chronic depression, that may be genetically predisposed. But, again, I wouldn't bank on it. And what's the point? I mean, let's try these tools and techniques first before you uh, try to find some sort of excuse and go back to the helplessness and victimization of well, I, there's nothing I can do. I'm genetically predispositioned. Um, I have a genetic proclivity uh, to be depressed. Everybody in my family is depressed. That may be. That may be. But I'm just saying statistically it's unlikely. Uh, there is depression, secondly, that is the result of certain physical illnesses or ailments. Um malingering uh, thyroid, for example. A thyroid condition sometimes creates 
a a a symptom of physical illness that feels like emotional depression. Okay, I don't mean I'm depressed because I'm sick. I mean I'm I've got this thyroid problem, and uh, I actually am experiencing uh, emotional depression, even though it's physically caused. And there are some other rare conditions, but again, this could be just like the genetic uh, predisposition, but it's unlikely, right? Unless you know you have a thyroid problem or some other illness or disease, one of the identified symptoms being depression. The vast majority, 90% plus, maybe 95% of the depression in our lives, chronic and acute, is unexpressed emotion. And a good place to begin, I think, to follow this thread is interdirected anger. What if all depression was the result of interdirected anger? Self-hate, self-loathing. You say, well, depression makes me feel that way. Well, yeah, okay, maybe it's a vicious cycle then. Maybe it was feeling that way that caused the depression. Too much self-deprecation, self-loathing, self-hate. A sure sign, this speaks to the first principle, that you've been living your life for other people. Where do we learn this? Well, childhood, of course. Why? Because in childhood you do live your life for other people. And lots of adults want to continue to live their lives for other people. Well, that's okay, provided you make the essential transition to being not self-centered, but aware of the benefits of enlightened self-interest. In other words, you have to be self-reliant in all ways. The more self-reliant and independent we are in all ways, even emotionally now, the more likely we are to be able to help other people without needing it. You see, there's a difference between I want to help other people and I need to help other people. The need is the problem. And when you fail to do that in your emotional dependence or so-called codependence, because, well, I must have failed to please them because I'm not feeling their appreciation. I'm not feeling their gratitude. And it's starting to piss me off. I'm starting to get really angry. At first at them, and eventually the frustration leads to interdirected anger. You get angry at yourself. Well, a good place to begin is stop trying to please other people until you've learned to be more self-reliant. Please yourself first. Won't that make you selfish? Most people fear. No. No. Not unless you follow self-interest with selfish behavior, but the most charitable and philanthropic people I have ever met in my life are self-centered. They don't rely on other people. They don't need to be charitable to get the appreciation and the acceptance to feel fulfilled. They are people who have fulfilled themselves 
and as a result become humble, not arrogant. The more you know about yourself, the more you like who you are, and the more humble and charitable you become as a result of putting yourself first. It's essential that we understand this so that we can turn and minister to the self. Physician, heal thyself, you see. That's your job. You are the most important person in your life. That's a job description you cannot delegate. Know thyself. <laughs> Can't be passed off to other people, and I need you to be happy when they do this thing for you, or I'm going to get angry at you, and eventually, when none of this works, I'm going to get angry at myself. So consider that it's very, 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 very likely that your depression, like my depression, when it happens, space you run on, it's too noisy, let me turn that off, is a result of self-loathing, self-hatred, uh, interdirected anger, the frustration that comes from not knowing what else to do. And, and I hate myself, and I hate my life, and I just hate being here. So, <clears throat> step one is we got to take personal responsibility. Then, step two is to get a sense of where it's coming from. Depression is the feeling that comes from being numb in all other ways because we haven't grieved our losses and we haven't faced our fears and anxieties and everything that hurts emotionally. We ignored those symptoms. It's like driving down this freeway with... Um, a piece of cardboard covering the dashboard. And, um, no, I didn't say that right. That's a different model. Let me restate that. It's like, <laughs> it's like driving down the freeway, the dashboard is not covered up, and you're seeing the gauges and the dials and the idiot lights indicating one or more problems with the car, but you just keep driving. that would lead to depression, that there's nothing I can do. Well, in fact, you could pull over to the side and take care of the problem. If the gas gauge is unempty, fill it up. If the uh, water is getting hot, you might want to add a little coolant to the uh, radiator there. And if your oil pressure is low before the engine block seizes, maybe add a little uh, oil to the crankcase. And that's all we're talking about. Before you get depressed, how about pulling over to the side and dealing with the hurt, with the immediate anger that's directed at other people, and with your sadness and your loneliness and your, and your loss that needs grieving, and your feelings of helplessness and victimization. Pull over to the side, that means close your eyes and do one of the visualization techniques that you're being taught here every week, guided imagery, meditation, contemplation, reflection, turning away from all the stress caused by external stimulus, letting go of the mental chatter and the emotional turmoil, the, the inner stimulus that adds to the stress, and create a place where you can look at your hurt without being hurt. You can look at your anger without being an angry person. Did you know you can do that? Yeah, and then you can even find your depression. The feeling that lasts 
and lasts, rising up out of the failure to feel all of those other hurts that now have become numb. You get it? Good. I think you got it. So, how are we going to face that sadness? How are we going to face that depression? Again, I'm going to, after we take your questions and comments, I'm going to show you a series of techniques. But, you know, the very first technique, if we had a Buddhist here, some Buddhist monk, he or she would tell you to sit with it. Uh, sounds rather stern and austere, but what they mean is watch it. This is a state of mindfulness that, again, is a stranger to most people, especially in this day and age. We're so overstimulated and so stressed that the idea of taking a step back to see the bigger picture escapes most of us. And my goodness, the mass media is not talking about mindfulness, even though the concept is as old as dirt. Right? The media does. You don't. You're not going to see a show uh, on uh, mindfulness, or even on meditation, unless it's on the Science Channel or Discovery or something. Right? So we're not getting very much support and encouragement to do this kind of introspection, this reflection. But it works. If you're going to understand something and control it, doesn't it make sense? You should first. Look at it, study it, want to know all about it, of course. And so when a Buddhist or a Taoist or another steeped in Eastern philosophy or mysticism from any part of the world, shamanism, Sufism, Kabbalah, Rosicrucian, whatever, the mystical approach, Eastern or otherwise, it's about mindfulness. It's about waking up and being aware that you are not your depression. You are a person that is experiencing a feeling of depression as a result of not facing all the other hurt and loss in your life. I am not the feeling. I'm the person experiencing the feeling. And with a breath, you close your eyes and you let go. Boy, that's important. All three of those things. The breath, closing your eyes, and letting go. That's the only technique you'll ever need. Three messages to the body, to the brain, to the subconscious. Three messages that you're really safe. Right now, you're safe. There's no physical danger here. I'm closing my eyes. Uh, my breathing is slow and relaxed and deep. And I can feel a letting go feeling in my body like butter softening on a warm day. That's all you ever need to know to get into paradise thinking. The alpha brainwave level, your Buddha nature, your Christ consciousness awaits. The inner peace, the golden silence is always there waiting for you. You don't have to quiet your mind to go to this place. You go to this place to quiet the mind. You don't have to end your depression and manage your feelings to come to paradise thinking, the alpha brainwave level. You do it, turn it around. <laughs> you do it to manage the emotions. And that's all you have to do is 
close your eyes and breathe and, and relax your body. And we'll do it in a few minutes here. And I'll take you through guided imagery and visualization, not, not contemplation per se, which is a complete emptying of the mind but through visualization into a beautiful place of perfect peace where you can be the one who watches your depression instead of the depressed person. You can let go of the feeling. You can do this with anger in, in all of your feelings. Wouldn't it be nice to be a person who is angry instead of an angry person? To be able to see your anger coming on a mile away and say to yourself very clearly, you know, this situation, this conversation, this event, whatever, is starting to really upset me. And if I don't adjust for it and account for it pretty soon, I'm going to be really angry. And then I'm going to start shouting and then I'm going to hit something. How mature do we have to be before we learn to do that? With a breath. First aid, if nothing else, start with a breath. And then let go of tension, and then breathe again, and then let go of some more physical tension. Feel the muscles unwinding, and then close your eyes and find, a, as soon as practically possible, a safe place for you to do the exercise, like the one you'll learn today and similar ones. Our archives are full of them. So you got to face it. And do it mindfully from this detached place. Where as you watch any feeling, depression or any other feeling, when you observe it, an amazing thing begins to happen. It starts to change right in front of your very eyes. One of the reasons that uh, emotions have been compared to water and esoterically to mercury is that they're so changeable. You know, not only can water change from a vapor, a gas, to a liquid, to a solid, and then melt back to the liquid, and then if heated enough, turn back into the vapor without anything really being lost. That's some pretty good change. But you've also got the change of, um, you know, just paddle in your canoe down the river and there will be relative flat spots where the river is broad and smooth and slow and, and other areas where there's white water and rapids. And uh, so traditionally, emotions have been thought of as being like water and choppy water cannot be understood. You can't see into boiling water or white water or even water that is a little bit disturbed. In order to see into it, it's got to be calm. Hence the meditation exercise, the contemplation, the visualization. To calm those emotional waters, so now I can see into them. But again, do you see the mindfulness? Do you get the detachment? I'm looking into the waters. I'm not the water. I climbed up onto the bank. And this is the detachment. This is the this is the simple mindfulness. Simple but not easy in this day and age. But you can do it. Especially if you keep coming to this Sunday event and others like it and 
listen to our podcasts and read books and go to lectures and classes and practice, practice, practice. This is your life we're talking about. The idea that you'll do it later when you have some time, you're throwing away. <laughs> it's just silly. What could be more important? This is your life. This is you, your your motives and your identity bound up in emotional intent, in emotional intelligence. So be the one that watches the feeling. Often that's all you have to do is watch it in these calm, quiet, clear states. And it becomes aware to you. The aha. It's like, oh, well, no wonder I feel that way. Okay. Now, we're also chipping away at depression by realizing a series of other things. So, if you go to study or look at depression and something else that hurts pops up, we'll go to that. You see, again, because depression often is this general malaise that results from not having faced all of these fears. So if they start popping up, these hurts and anxieties and stresses, like, well, not only am I depressed, but now that Michael has taught me this technique, I'm remembering all this other pain. Well, good. Allow yourself to go there. It's just like a movie theater. The part of your brain, the conscious mind, that is, that knows it's only a movie can be pulled upon at any time. And then you let go of that and start to get back into the movie. And if it's too traumatic or scary, then you pull on the part that says, hold on, it's only a movie. Right? You can always get up and walk out. Same thing with uh, uh, these ideas when when you meditate you're, you're, whenever you pull upon memory you're pulling upon your imagination whenever you think about the future you're pulling upon the imagination and whenever your eyes are closed and you're present you're pulling upon the imagination when you open your eyes you have a here and now stimulus but the past and the future are still the realms of imagination so we have to Close our eyes, breathe, relax, and imagine, allow ourselves to imagine, to remember these hurts. Then they pop up. Maybe it's the loss of somebody, the agonizing loss of somebody that you really, really loved. If that, if that pops up, it means you haven't grieved it fully yet. It means you, you went in up to your ankles or your knees, and then you turned around and ran. You know, ships are safe in the harbor, but that's not what ships are for. Forgive me, another one of my trite sayings. It's just so damned important to understand we're spiritual beings in human form. You're having a human experience, but you're a spiritual being, and you're built for this. You're built for the hurts and the longing and the agony of being a physical being whose parents died tragically or the dog got hit by a car and you never really got over it or whatever. You know, there's so much tragedy and loss. We've got to learn to deal with it, to manage it, to face it. To stand open and receptive to the pain. To let the hurt and the agony have its way with you. Only then do you find the love. 
that heals you and lifts you up out of it. But there's no end run around it, no way over it, under it, or to avoid it. The only way out is through. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I used that Winston Churchill quote, if you find yourself in hell, keep going. It's not if you find yourself in hell, turn around and run. If you find yourself in hell, keep going. How else would you get through it? This ought, to, this ought to be exciting you already. My God, you mean there is a way out of my depression? Yeah, to go through it. Wait a minute, Michael. I've been going through it all my life, sometimes for weeks or months at a time. I don't even want to go through days of depression. Then I would say, let's go through it elegantly and quickly. Instead of scratching and clawing our way, dragging ourselves along through our pain, suffering it, how about standing up and waltzing through it? How about the ballet? How about, you know, the stroll, a little boogie-woogie? Dance through your pain. The operative word is through. And you do it enough times, and you pop out the other side, you have found the love that redeems all fear. You have found the truth of life, which is that even though love is everywhere equally present, life requires us to experience loss and adversity. It's as if our hearts get too crystallized. We become too hard-hearted. Christ talked about divorce and, and, and being too hard-hearted. Heart gets well, concretized or crystallized and then it can't grow. So life finds a way to break your heart. So it can grow. And you say that hurts. Yeah, you damn right it hurts. Didn't you have growing pains as, as, as a teenager? Didn't you ever jump out of bed at 3 o'clock in the morning with the, the Charlie horse in your thigh or in your calf, the worst pain you ever had, in the middle of sleep? A growing pain? doesn't take much imagination to think of the other pains and hurts that go with growing. Look, that's just the way it is. That's the way life is. So let's get on board with the growth process. We're getting on board with change. Maybe the next time Obama runs, it'll be grow, not just change. Let's grow. Let's get with it. Not just random lateral change, not just anything else will do, but a progression, an evolution of consciousness that says, I get it. I'm willing to face my fear and everything that hurts with a breath and a letting go feeling and to move directly into it. Learn from it. Aha, that's the second element. Learn from it. Face it. Understand it in these levels of expanded awareness. And that's the antidote. To understand, the, to get the aha is to release it. Now, I'll, I'll show you more about how to do this when we uh, do the technique. I want to go to the questions here in the comments and refresh a couple of my pages. Oh, lots of new people have come in. 
morning, good morning. few of you are commenting, though, which is okay. That's up to you. Um, so if you'd like to do that now, I'll go slow and take a pause. And you Again, provided you you're, you're listening live to us today, you can use that page in front of you on the web uh, to put in a little question or a comment here just to say hi. First of all, let's uh, say hello to Carol in La Habra, who's with us every week. And uh, I did mention at the top of this class my concern about the brush fires, the wildfires in Southern California. She says, uh, as near as she knows, we have a lot of friends in common. She says, aside from the smoke and the ashes, everyone I know is okay and not evacuated yet. It's always so tragic, these brush fires. And Patricia in Los Angeles says hello. She says the sky in L.A. looks smoky and orangish, and the smell of smoke is in the air. I believe, or rather feel, that, that uh, seeking truth, wisdom, is a lifelong process, but it's the best way to cope or I have to apologize for my eyes here. Sometimes they're better than others. Let me zoom in a little bit here. Uh, cope and or transcend, as you just said, life, as it is in its physical form. And thanks for speaking about this and teaching it. And there's uh, another message. Uh, glad you're doing the class today on depression, being that there are Lots of very sad and tragic vibrations in the world due to mass humanity, or inhumanity, really. Man's, man's inhumanity. <laughs> I saw mass humanity. Into man's inhumanity to man. Isn't it normal to have moments of depression that just seem to come out of nowhere? Yeah. And uh, uh, let me reiterate that. That uh, if you were never depressed... Uh, I, I just can't imagine, you know, people who say, how about if I put it this way, people who say they're never depressed have to be lying or they don't know the meaning of the word. Uh, there is that melancholia, that melancholy feeling that we get. And, um, you know, Bacon wrote an essay about this, too. This sweet sadness, a kind of a bitterness. For me, it, it always brings up images of rainy afternoons and loneliness and a cup of hot tea and a cat on my lap, you know, or a dog laying beside me, maybe a fire in the fireplace. A little bit of that, surely everybody experiences from time to time. And it is bittersweet. And in other words, it ain't so bad. But there's, there's just no reason for us to suffer severe depression. There's something you're not looking at, something you don't want to face, something that's just scared the bejesus out of you. You know, and one of the clues is you start to feel lonely, don't you? Don't you? I'm afraid of something like Sarah Palin now. Don't cha. Just cha. <laughs> Y-O-U. Cha. Don't cha. Forgive me. Uh, that's my way of avoiding just 
talking about how agonizing depression can be. There's just no reason for it. There's no excuse for it, better said. It's unnecessary. When it happens, it's because you've been ignoring it until then. And we're just not born with an owner's manual. And, you know, as wonderful as the Bible may be or whatever spiritual books that may inspire you, often reading inspirational literature helps. Often it doesn't. And you just continue to feel horrible and wish there was something I could do. So you go drink a bottle of wine or scotch or rum and, yeah, for a little while you feel better and then you pass out and you wake up feeling horrible. And day after day, that is, that's obviously an ineffective tactic. There's no strategy, or as Bush would say, no strategery in that at all. <laughs> right? You have to solve the problem by looking at the cause, at the roots. And the roots of depression are all of these other hurts and losses that we're ignoring. We do need skills, no question. We definitely need skills. John in Pittsburgh saying hello today. Hello, John. And uh, he says, the new Focus Passion site is awesome. Thank you, John. Thanks very much. And again, if you're joining us late, we finally did the upgrade I've been promising. I... Uh, the top of the program, thank my webmeister, Kurt Wyman, of course, my partner, Steve, our wives, uh, others, uh, Kimberly Hart, uh, Ted Allred, uh, many people unnamed who have been so supportive and worked so hard um, to help this thing get up. It's, it's like a jukebox. It's so cool. It just cranks out podcasts, you know, and you can support us at nineteen ninety nine a month or nine ninety nine a month. For 99 cents a week, for God's sake. I can't even get a cup of coffee for 99 cents. Just help us cover the, the, the delivery charge, and we can get it out there. So it's up, and you can check it out, and there's plenty of samples that you can listen to. And uh, if you're a subscriber, you'll find that there's a very cool send one to a friend gadget on there, too, so you can share it with other people. As a matter of fact... You know, I thought about doing this, and I think I'm going to. Well, no big deal, but I have a box of stress management cards here. They cost about 4 or $5 each, and I'm, I'll give them away. I'll mail them to you. In fact, I'll tell you what. If you subscribe to FocusPassion.com, that's not the word we really want to use. We call it contribute. If you want to be a contributor for 99 cents a week, and just do it for a month. And if you don't like it, I'll refund your $3.95. Put it right back on your credit card. Painless. If you don't like it, tell me. No problem. And uh, So it's guaranteed, but uh, check it out. I think the podcasts that I do with Steve, which you don't need an iPod to listen to or iTunes. You, any RSS feeder will do. It's easy to subscribe, or you can listen to them right there on the site, streaming. If you subscribe, as long as I have, a, I've got a few hundred of these, uh, I'd say in the next week or so, um, send me a self-addressed stamped envelope, and I'll mail you one of these cards. It's the honor system. You tell me you, you're a contributor and you signed up for $0.99 cents or more. Just send me a self-addressed stamped envelope uh, 
I give you the address, and I'll mail you one of these biofeedback cards. They're really cool. It's got, you've seen them, I'll bet. You've got the uh, temperature-sensitive thing in the middle, and it, it measures through the temperature of your thumb, really, in relative terms, just how stressed you are. But they're real accurate, and they last for years. I, I, I've got a couple here I've had for more than 15 years. They still work really fine. So if you got a pencil, I'm going to give you my, uh, my home address. And uh, something I could never do on the radio either. But being out here in the middle of the ocean, just send me a self-addressed stamped envelope. Stick it in a bigger envelope and mail it to me at 1495 Kekaliki Avenue. All you have to do is figure out how to spell Kekaliki. No, I'll spell it for you. It's K-E-K-A-U-L-I-K-E. K-E-K-A-U. L-I-K-E Avenue, 1495 K. Kaliki Avenue. The city is Kula, K-U-L-A, Hawaii. You never, you don't need to put the name of the island. Kula, Hawaii, 96790. Michael Benner at 1495 K. And if you just put a self-addressed stamped envelope in there, you know, just a, what, what's it, a 42-cent stamp, I'll send one of these back to you as a way of saying thanks for being one of the first contributors. 99 cents a week, billed monthly, 3.95 or more, at FocusPassion.com. Come on board. And again, if you're not happy at the end of a month or even two months, I'll give you both months back. How's that? It's easy to do if you put it on your ATM card, you know, your debit card, your credit card, whatever. Lots of folks get rid of the credit card. That's fine. You still got the ATM card. That works, too. If it's got a Visa or a MasterCard logo on it, it'll work. Real excited. So thanks uh, for that, John. Appreciate that. And from Pittsburgh, we go to Vegas, and Greg... Uh, Greg Simonian says, uh, hello, Michael. I, I really miss not being part of the classes in the last few weeks, but I'm glad I'm back. Hope all is well. Always a pleasure. And we're glad you're back, too, Greg. Nice to hear from you. And um, in Montreal, uh, Shalad is with us again today. And she says hello. And hello, Shalad, back to you. In Lancaster, in the high desert, uh, Brian, isn't depression directly related to spiritual development and serving humanity? Well, not necessarily. Um, I wish I had you here, Brian, so that I could uh, find out a little more about what you mean by that. I think managing depression... Certainly dealing with it, facing it, as we've discussed, and as we'll practice in a few minutes here, uh, is definitely going to contribute to your spiritual development because it requires that you become mindful. And to be mindful of your emotion or a thought is to be mindful that you're also not your body nor the physical appearance of things around you, that you are this oceanic everywhere equally present awareness that is currently focused into a physical body, all right? And that uh, 
simply said, I'm not my thoughts, I am what I decide to do with those thoughts, how I look at them, how I process them, uh, how I, what responses I choose to them, uh, and I will be that, not my thought. And the same thing with the feeling, I will choose how I look at what I do with my feelings. So to process any emotion, to be mindful of your thoughts and your behavior as well, is to transcend the ego and maybe not kill it as in the way Buddhism is often described killing the ego but I would say lifting its frequency um, Western mysticism talks about the alchemical wedding or the chemical wedding the spiritual betrothal of the ego or persona nature to the soul so we don't kill the ego we just sort of marry it to the soul. We, the soul appropriates it. The mindful self, the higher self, appropriates that poor ego that's having such a tough time. You still have to, however, because we're in form, account for that sometimes several times, sometimes many times in a given day. And at least that's why regular practice is so good, at least once a day, to become mindful mindful through meditation is definitely going to promote your spiritual development no question about that and does that serve humanity well yeah the more you know about who you are that higher self becomes less concerned with its separative nature and more interested in the harmoni the, the harmon harmonizing <laughs> or unitive self that's a funny thing you don't really lose your sense of self. Uh, the self evolves. And when you die, this is the big fear of death. Uh, you're not going to lose your sense of self. What you will lose is your sense that there's something other than yourself. And, and again, meditation can introduce you to that. That's a very cool, we could do a seminar just on that one day. You know, that, that the experience of death and dying, you say, how do you know? Well, meditate. Meditate for 30 or 40 years, or even 3 or 4 years, or how about even 3 or 4 times <laughs> in the next 3 or 4 days, and see if you don't begin to get a sense of what I'm talking about. It is a practice. It is a discipline. It's not hard work, though. You know, close your eyes and go to heaven or paradise. What is so dreadful about that for even five minutes once a day? And uh, you will begin to get a sense that you are not separate. That's a wonderful feeling. And it's transcendent. And that's death, gang. It's not, I'll, I'll, I'm afraid I will lose who I am. What you will lose is the idea that there's something here that is not you. All right? Actually, there is something here that's not us. But it's all the transitory stuff, like the thoughts and the emotions and the physical body that, by its very physical nature, is always passing, always moving on. Boy, time today has taken wings, hasn't it? we got to do this exercise. Also, Kasia and Irvine says, Hi, Michael. Um, uh, send us... Some of that cool air you're having on the island over there, it's mid-November here, and for goodness sakes, we're being baked. Yeah, I know what the Santa Anas can do. And he goes on, kudos to you and Steve uh, and uh, my wife.
webmaster as well on the upgraded website. What a delightful new added feature, or features, several features. Thank you, Kasha. And he's already forwarding podcasts to friends with that cool new gadget. We have that on the Focus Passion site. We also have it for these webinars on the Ageless Wisdom site. So let's do this uh, exercise, okay? It's not going to end your depression today, but I can show you what to practice. I can I can demonstrate to you quickly and easily the mindfulness that it takes to begin to examine the little hurts and losses that pop up when you sit quietly and put your attention on your sadness and your depression. So take a slow, deep breath. Hold as you peek and then exhale slowly and completely, all the way out, all the way beyond where you'd normally stop and then take another nice, slow, deep breath. Do that now. And as you exhale, ah, feel that letting go feeling. Maybe a third slow, deep breath as you continue to soften and relax. Feel the letting go. Create and sense from head to toe, especially in those areas where you tend to gather up tension, feel now the letting go. And your neck and your shoulders, and your lower back and your groin, your hips, all the way down to your toes, let go. And here's the easiest part, as you close your eyes, if you haven't already, do that now. I want you to daydream. I want you to imagine the most beautiful place of perfect peace that you could possibly imagine. Could be very much like some paradise or Eden that you have visited in your life. A place entirely from your imagination or a combination of elements, whatever occurs to you. There ought to be some green trees there some bushes and grass and things that live, you know, living things, water. Make sure there's a little stream or a little pond. And here's the trick, the feeling that you're just pretending or making it all up. Well, that's exactly right. And you're in control of the letting go and in control of feeling so relaxed and safe. And yet you allow the images, don't there's no need to second-guess yourself here. Just allow yourself to imagine walking through a forest or a, or a sunny meadow or being on the most beautiful stretch of beach. Nobody's around. It's just you. High in a mountain, deep in a valley, wherever you find yourself, sit upon the earth and feel again as you connect to the earth, as if you imagine being even rooted like a tree or a flower into the earth itself. Allow your feelings to come upon you. Without any effort at all, simply by allowing, permitting your feelings to have their way with you, let them come upon you now. If a part of you wants to cry, allow yourself to cry. If a part of you feels like giggling, go ahead and giggle. If you don't feel much of anything right now, 
just breathe and relax and keep letting go. As if taking just one step back to get the bigger picture of how you're feeling right now in this moment. And if through your imagination, your memory leads you to a circumstance, an incident, a particular hurt, or loss, or upset, from earlier today, last week, a year ago, or long, long ago, allow that to come up for you now. And face it. You can handle it. This is what you're made for as a spiritual being. Face it. But now, with an open mind and an open heart, be accepting. Whatever that means to you, listen to the word. Accept it. Hear me telling you that acceptance is not the end of it, but rather the beginning where we pick up where we left off. You thought you accepted it, and that was the end of it, but it kept calling to you. Accept now as a beginning. Accept the loss. Breathe into it and cry. That's called grieving. Feel yourself moving through it effortlessly. Just don't hold on anymore. Keep letting go. If it's not loss, perhaps it's hurt or upset, anger, fear, contempt, loneliness, deep sadness, feeling disconnected, wanting to reach out. Let it have its way with you. Let it come upon you and grab you and do whatever it's going to do with you. It can't be worse than what you've already been through. It's never worse than what you've already been through. You see, the worst is over. Face your sadness and your anger and your hurt. Open to understanding, moving effortlessly, as you remind yourself, the worst is over. I'm moving through. Understanding. Pause here. Never be in a hurry. Pause. To understand just this one particular incident. This one loss. This one horrible experience that feel the anger. Whatever, whatever is coming up for you, experience it fully. It's from the past. It's your memory via your imagination. It can't hurt you worse now. In fact, quite the contrary. This is how you heal. You face it and you understand it. And then you repeat the process every day. Maybe with a different hurt, with a different upset, with a different loss. allow yourself to move through it with understanding and be the one who by letting go and facing it by 
mindfully detaching, finally understands. And you continue to let go. Anytime you have just a couple of minutes, or ideally 15 or 20 minutes, or maybe even longer, unplug the phone and set aside just that little bit of time to come back here and do it again, feeling better and better each time, more and more relaxed, safer, and allow your caring nature to heal you. That's what love does. It redeems, it uplifts, it transforms. It takes what feels so separate and through harmony unifies it into a whole thing. Even now you can feel the longing of the part to become whole, the longing of that hurt to be healed. That's your love, that longing. And if you only allow it, it'll work its magic. Nothing else you need to. So tell yourself this will be easy to repeat. And that you found your antidote for depression and sadness. And that you're willing, you're committing now to facing your fears, your stresses and anxieties your hurts, upsets, and losses. And you evolve and you grow and you become better and better with more love to give to others now, don't you see? That love that's healing you, even now, grows your heart and offers you more to give others. Tell yourself in a moment you're going to open your eyes wide awake and alert with a full memory and a deep understanding of this process and just how simple it is. Reorient yourself to the sound of my voice and remember the room in which you sit. And as you now inhale slowly and fill your lungs, be alive and vibrant and hopeful and optimistic for you have control now, if not over what's done to you, certainly over how you look at it and how you respond. And as you exhale, open your eyes wide awake and alert, rested and refreshed, feeling fine, and uh, hopefully willing to repeat the exercise to join us every week next Sunday for our live webinar right here. To check out the archives at theagelesswisdom.com, hit homepage and then web teleconference, and uh, send me that self-addressed stamped envelope, and I'll send the biofeedback card to you after you visit FocusedPassion.com. And uh, enroll for as little as 99 cents a week. And, again, if you don't like it after a month or two, I'll, I'll, I'll guarantee to give your money right back to you. Okay. Thanks so much. Doreen sends her love as well. And, as always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. Aloha.